Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As Pastor said earlier, that the text is the appointed epistle lesson. We're going to consider the ongoing need for workers in Christ's church. And so, dear friends, when you hear and believe the gospel message, when you believe that Jesus has healed you from a disease deeper and deadlier than any skin disease, unperceivable by the eye, only perceived by faith, how should you respond? I would suggest the gospel lesson sets before us a wonderful response. We respond like that one lone man, that tithe of a man, that Samaritan man, who returned to Jesus, who bowed before Jesus and rendered to him his thanks and praise. Now we gather here knowing that we can't do that just like that Samaritan man did, just like was available to all the other lepers cleansed. Jesus is no longer physically present with us as he was with when he walked on earth. Jesus, of course, we gather here knowing he has finished his earthly labor by our Lord's passion, that is, by his suffering and death, He has reconciled us to His dear Father. He has restored that broken relationship caused by Adam and Eve in Eden. We are now reconciled to God the Father, and God the Father is now reconciled to us. And after He completed His work, He burst forth from the grave. Forty days later, he ascended into heaven, and now he sits, he reigns, and he rules at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And so now, we can't thank our Lord in the same way that leper did, but we still thank and praise God. Let me suggest we thank and praise God much like a child may do for mom with a good meal, or dinner guests may thank their hosts. Now, I'm not talking about saying the words thank you. Yes, we should always say those words thank you for any benefit we receive. And I don't mean you children and perhaps a real close dinner guest getting up and helping to clean up after the meal is served. Let me suggest that a far more powerful expression of thanks is seen in welcoming the meal prepared with glad faces enjoying that meal, commenting on all the details of that meal, maybe even asking for seconds, perhaps even thirds, and then telling others about the wonderful meal, how wonderful this cook is. Today, one way we thank and praise our Lord is by doing what we are doing here gladly. Let me underscore that word, gladly, hearing and learning the precious Word of God. God, the third commandment, teaches us this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God that we do not despise 
preaching and the Word of God. But hold it sacred and gladly, gladly hear and learn it. And so that's what we do here in God's house. That's what we do in Sunday school. That's what you get to do at home. I urge you, take up and read through the New Testament. You might have read it before, but I tell you, you'll probably read it and say, hmm, I don't remember reading that before, and you'll learn something new. We are, as Christians, to receive and welcome Jesus' gifts with glad, glad hearts so that we are strengthened in the grace that is found in Christ Jesus, remembering, remembering all that Jesus has done, just as we remember Jesus as we partake of the bread and wine, Christ's very body and blood, all that Jesus has done in order to save us eternally. Today, however, I'd like us to consider another way that we could thank and praise our Lord. We could thank and praise our Lord by doing what we can so that Jesus' gifts will continue to be made available, yes, to us, but also our fellow Christians and those who are yet blinded and held captive by sin, death, and the devil. And so we will consider Paul's words to Timothy in today's epistle lesson. As, and as we do so, I urge you to recall, call to mind what Pastor Ziegler talked about last week in his sermon. Paul was writing his second letter to Timothy while he was in prison, in a prison cell, arrested for proclaiming the gospel message, chained for believing in Jesus, now with the certainty awaiting him of his own execution. We call this martyrdom. Though, of course, Paul would have acknowledged, just as we acknowledge, Jesus could miraculously change any situation. But, of course, he didn't with Paul. Quite naturally, because of that close relationship between Paul and Timothy, Timothy would have given careful consideration to any word, any message, any letter that would come from his spiritual father, Paul. But even more so with these Paul's last words of encouragement and counsel for Timothy. In our text knowing that death was before him. Paul directed Timothy to ensure for the ongoing preaching and teaching of the gospel message. Let me read for you again verses 1 and 2. You then, my child, speaking to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men. There was, there is, and there will always be the need for new workers in Christ's church. Let me cite at least two reasons from, for this. One just comes from the, the God's Word itself, especially the Gospels. First, there is always the need for the mission 
of the church. The fields are and will always be white and ready for harvest. Jesus specifically addressed his people and said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Christians are and will always be surrounded by fields white and ready for harvest. What we're talking about is people who do not believe the gospel. Increasingly, the world in which we find ourselves surrounded by is a world that is so much like the world that the Apostle Paul lived in. There is no other way, no other way for people to believe and to be saved eternally than for them to hear the gospel message. Second, there's always going to be a need for new church workers because church workers are mortal. They're mortal. Some are killed for the faith, as the Apostle Paul would be and has been. During persecution, it is pastors and it is church work leaders who are targeted first. Others, we would say, die a more natural death. Of course, you know death is not natural. That's not what God intended for Adam and Eve. But other workers die from illness or from age. There will always be a need for men and women to be trained to take up this very important, noble task. Whether in the first century, whether today, or in the future, Christians always need, they always need to hear the gospel proclaimed to them so that they might remain in the faith, that they might grow stronger in the grace the grace that is fixed and found in Christ Jesus. And so, let me suggest that one way that we thank and praise Jesus for his gifts to us as we recognize how he has healed us from a disease deeper and more deadly than any skin disease, that is the disease of sin, the disease of a broken relationship with God, is for us to see that more and more people are able to hear the gospel, believe the gospel, and be strengthened by the gospel. And in today's epistle lesson, the Apostle Paul specifically charged Timothy to have a direct hand in this task. Now, Paul himself, years before this, had had a direct hand in Timothy, taking up what he described in his first letter as a noble task. Paul, when he visited that area, noticed a sincere faith. We heard that last week in the epistle lesson in Timothy's grandmother and mother. And he noticed that this sincere faith also dwelled in Timothy. Undoubtedly, along with other qualities that we would expect in one who proclaims the gospel message. So Paul encouraged Timothy. And eventually Paul invited Timothy to accompany him on his ongoing missionary journeys. 
that he would join him in his apostolic work, that Timothy would watch, that Timothy would listen, and that Timothy would learn. I remember how my own home pastor did that for me, of course, many years ago, uh, to join him on a number of his own pastoral calls, all the while as he was encouraging me to pursue a church work career. Now, Paul eventually sent Timothy out on his own as a preacher and teacher of the gospel message. And then afterwards, Paul wrote letters. We have two of them, First and Second Timothy, to continue to encourage and counsel young Pastor Timothy. And now, as Paul's life was drawing to a close, now with the certainty of Paul's death before him, the Spirit inspired Paul to write and charge Timothy that it was now his turn to continue to identify men full of faith and to entrust to them the precious gospel message. Now, in our text, Paul was quite brief with the qualities that would be necessary in a man like this. He talked about a man full of faith, a faithful man, and then men who are able to teach. I'll suggest that there was another quality that we heard last week, that they would, these men would follow this pattern of sound words. That is, that these men would show themselves to be faithful to the truth of God's holy word. Paul had written earlier about other qualities. He didn't repeat them here, but I'll repeat them for you now. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul wrote that such a man, a pastor, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. He repeated it to Timothy in his second letter. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children in submissive, in submission. So now this task comes to Timothy. Timothy himself was to identify, then train, and then entrust men pastors with this gospel message. And then these men, these pastors, would do the same. And that has happened on down through the ages. And now this charge is before us today, in our day. Pastors today, Pastor Ziegler, I, our brothers in the office of the Holy Ministry are always on the lookout for men to encourage, who can prepare to be pastors. And let me add also men and women who could prepare to be other workers within the church, commission ministers, teachers, directors of Christian education and such. Now I'm not going to begin to fool you and say that I know the names of all the sons and daughters of Trinity who have gone on to serve within church work, but I understand that a number of Individuals have serving in the past, serving today as pastors, teachers, and directors of Christian education. Today, we have two of Trinity's daughters serving in our own day school, Mrs. Leonardi and Miss Lennington. This is one way, dear friends, that we could thank and praise our Lord 
We know we want, our Lord wants his gifts to be distributed to his people. Our Lord wants his gospel to be proclaimed to those still held bound and captive to the devil, to sin and death. Congregations are always going to need pastors. They're always going to need uh, men who proclaim the word for faith will come in no other way than by hearing the message of Christ. And congregations will always have before them the Lord's command to reach out to the lost. The fields, again, remain white and ready for harvest around us. There are some people, it's hard for us to understand this, but there are some people who have never heard the gospel message. There are some people who have rejected this gospel message. And there are others who think the gospel message means that they have to live a good life in order to receive the gift of eternal life. There is and will always be a need for workers in the church. So I urge you right now, you might have heard this before, but you young people and you not-so-young people, think about, pray about, and consider whether God would use you in service in his church. Of course, we hear the words that Paul wrote to Timothy, a pastor, and we understand that by implication, these words also apply to other men. Pastors would follow in Timothy's footsteps. But what would Paul's words mean to you if you're not in church work, an ordinary person in the pew? Well, let me suggest that they mean about the same thing. You, too, should and can look around you, and you should encourage faithful men to prepare for the office of the pastoral ministry, and faithful men and women to prepare for other church work professions. That's also a way that you could thank and praise your Lord, ensuring that his gifts continue to be distributed. For a moment, imagine if only pastors were to hear and to heed the Spirit's words through Paul. What would happen if a pastor identified and began to encourage a young man or a young woman or a not-so-young man or young woman to pursue a church work career because there are many not-so-young men and women preparing and now serving as second-career individuals within the church? Imagine if a pastor were to do this, yet no one else. Everyone else remained quiet. That person might think, well, pastor's just saying some nice words to me, uh, or this is just pastor's opinion and no one else's. Or imagine a worse situation. Imagine a pastor doing this, encouraging a young man or a young woman, but others would say, uh, you could ignore pastor, a better, you'd make a better living in business or as a mechanic or as a plumber. And after all, if you don't do very well in that profession, you could always fall back on church work. No, my friends. No, if we pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field, if we recognize the healing that we have received in Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins, a restored relationship with God our Father, we are going to encourage others. 
faithful men and women to take up this task. So thank and praise your Lord by urging others around you to take up this church work profession, by talking to and encouraging faithful young men and women to fulfill this and pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Your words might make all the difference. And we need to do this together, pastor and people together. Not only because there is such a great need for church workers, but because of the suffering that comes to those who pursue church work careers. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to get into what Paul meant as he wrote to Timothy, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, although there's lots to unpack in these words. But suffice to say, when we know, when we believe in the healing that comes in and through Christ Jesus, when we strive to sincerely thank and praise our Lord for all that he has done, when we strive to live the life that God has called us to live through faith in Christ Jesus, whether church worker or laity, we will suffer. But even as we suffer, we keep our focus. Our focus is on Christ Jesus. As Paul wrote in our text, risen from the dead, descended from David, the Christ, the gospel, the salvation that Paul preached, Timothy preached, and all faithful ministers preach. The word of God is never bound, even though they might may bind us with chains. One day death will silence these lips, and death too will silence Pastor Ziegler's lips, but we could be thankful that others will take our place. And that's why we encourage faithful young men and women, and again, not so young men and women, to consider and pursue work within the church. Jesus is faithful. He always remains faithful to his promises. He will never disown himself. And we know, because of Jesus, because of that precious gospel message that rings in our ears over and over again. The day is ahead for us when we will live and reign with Jesus eternally. In Jesus' name, amen.